Uh, welcome everyone to Obsessions with Julia Gray, where we talk about the pop culture we love and what it says about us. Today we have Jocelyn Silver, managing editor at Gawker, and we were just talking about her COVID experience or her her cooking experience post COVID. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. When did you have COVID, and where did you get it? Did you get it like the the time where everyone in media got it? No, I didn't get it then. Um, I think I got it on New Year's Eve. Got it. That I mean, I, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I just finished it up. Was it terrible? Was it no? You know, not all it's cracked up to be. It was so my COVID. You know, I'm not a a doctor, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> my COVID experience was very chill. I was sick for like three days and then uh, totally fine. I'm doing this uh, bad thing where if I don't know I have it, I. I you know, I can't knowingly transmit it to anyone. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Also, sorry, am I talking too loudly? I can't tell what my... You're you're normal to me, but if anyone is having audio issues, any of our gorgeous listeners in the room, please write in the chat. But for me, you sound perfect volume. You sound perfect volume. You have a great radio voice. Thank you. Wow. Everyone says I have a face for radio. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) When I I had a radio show in college and my dad would always say that. Oh, rude. I know, right? I mean, he just like kind of says things like that. (laughs) Well, he sounds delightful, but still, you do not have to use for radio. (laughs) Uh, Wait, okay. So I want you to tell me about the new Gawker, like what the experience is like working there and what it was like coming on and what your experience was like with Gawker 1.0. Oh, well, I mean, with Gawker 1.0, I was um, really obsessed with it. Um, I started reading it when I am a little bit older than you. Um, I graduated high school in 2010, and I remember reading it all the time in high school. And then, of course, like, I went to college in New York, and and I did, like, the school paper and everything, and, like, everyone was just obsessed with Gawker. Mm-hmm. Um, I read it every day. Um, and so, yeah, so when I heard about new Gawker, I thought it was very exciting because, um, Leah Finnegan, the editor in chief was somebody I had always like really, you know, admired mm-hmm. and, um, it never would have occurred to me that I would be like working <laughs> there. <laughs> um, but I guess somebody passed my name along. So this is this is for the listeners. This is an inside <laughs> scoop. This is how you get jobs in media. Um, someone passed my a mutual friend gave my name to Leah and she just like DM'd me on Twitter um back in May of 2021 and I was just like, oh my God, like this is insane. There is no reason on earth. That is not true. This woman should hire me, but, like, if I don't get this job, I'm going to kill myself. And um, so, yeah, I just – I did a couple interviews, and I think I fought very hard for it, and here we are. Honestly, when I saw your name, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, thank you. (laughs) In your opinion, what do you think, like, the goal of the return is? Well, I mean, Leah has said that the – I mean, basically, you know, 
the the guy Brian Goldberg, who is mm-hmm. my my boss's boss, like bought the property, which you know I would make jokes about, but like I don't want to get fired. Um, <laughs> but um. But, you know, he basically, Leah was a Gawker alum. She had gotten really famous at Gawker. Mm-hmm. And he sort of gave it to her to run. And I think she was just like, what were the things that I loved about old Gawker? And what were the things I didn't love about old Gawker? And how can I make a website that honors what I was loved about it and, you know, doesn't have, like, horrible misogynistic writers and stuff yeah um it's actually really funny because like you know i was reading all this press like gawker misogyny blah 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 and i was just i remember being like oh like snowflakes and then (laughs) and then i went and then when i was like prepping for my interviews and stuff i read a bunch of old gawker articles and i was like oh god like (laughs) what is actually like really bad um what what like what made you say that which do you recall a headline Yes. Um, there are pieces by this writer, John Cook, who just like really, oh my God, he is fucking awful. And he just really, I mean, I don't know him. I don't know if he's personally awful, but I feel very comfortable stating out loud on a podcast that his work was just awful and um, extremely misogynistic. And I forget the exact headline. Oh, there's one called like, uh, oh, I forget who the writer is, but it's like X is not a misogynist and neither am I. And it's just like, oh, no, that sounds whole... like a great way to prove you're a misogynist. Exactly. It's like it's, it's so awful. It's just the whole essay is like a big jerk off motion. So anyway, so obviously, <laughs> like, that's really not a part of New Gawker. And the thing that people forget about Gawker, you know, people are always like it was so mean and it was. But it was also really funny yeah. and was a blog that was updated like 50 times a day with celebrity content. <laughs> like that's what Gawker was. It was like a funny, yes, it was a media blog. And yes, it had very incredible, incisive like media and labor reporting and political reporting and all this wonderful stuff. But it also was very, very funny and fun to read. And what <laughs> Leah said she wanted was like in our current internet landscape, there really aren't websites that you just go on to to laugh, you know? Like so many good websites have died. So many of the ones that are still left are either like, you know, a, a literal newspaper or like, I don't know, like ridiculous like headlines about how like this new Gen Z photographer is queering like you know like it's just it's just there's not a lot of fun on the internet anymore the owl is gone etc and so she really wanted it to be a place where people could go and laugh and um I really think we have done that I love that I completely agree and agree with your point that digital media is like you're either like ID slash vice queering um, the coffee industry or your <laughs> like the New York Times. Yeah. And then I mean, blogging the blog- has died. Blogging has died. And like, that's the whole thing. Like, you know, Leah's always like blogs, blogs, blogs. And it's funny because like some of our staffers who are all wonderful and amazing and just like the smartest people I've ever worked with, like some of them are really young. Some of them are like 25, 26 and they like literally like 
I remember starting in our first few weeks, like multiple staffers asking me, like, what is a blog? <laughs> like, can you explain Wait, what is a blog? Yeah. Like, can you explain, like, wow. like, how do I structure a blog? What is the difference between a blog and an article? Like, I need names. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't in, like, a bad way. It wasn't in, like, a, like, they're idiots. And never no, no, I know. <laughs> they were just, like, they were, like, you know, they're young. And the bloggers, they were not really around for the blogosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like when I uh, worked at Stereo Gum, I kind of felt the last the last bits of it or was able to blog. Oh, definitely. Blog. It kind of felt relevant. Yeah, and you did so many great blogs for Stereo Gum, and that was such a fun, like, bloggy, you know, it's such a fun bloggy website. And um, I think it's fun to to have those around. And then, of course, we do also do, like, we weirdly do a lot of, like, wonderful literary criticism. And Seriously. A lot, like, the, that's amazing. And, like, great media. We have our amazing media reporter, Tarpley. And, like, I don't know. I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I, you guys are doing a lot of great things. Like, some of the my favorite things I read last year. Thank you. I mean, yeah. like, like I know we, we have done, like, really important pieces and stuff that I'm really proud of. But, like. There are so many dumb headlines that I just read all the time just to make myself laugh. Like about like we there was this one post about like how this 18 year old was going into space with Jeff Bezos. And the headline was like <laughs> this 18 year old will jerk off in space. <laughs> or, or like, um, yeah, this writer, Olivia Craighead, she's such a genius. Um, yeah, she's great. She's so great. And like she one of our top posts of the year was this article she did Um like Corey Stoll defends Uncle Junior from The Sopranos' right to eat pussy, and it was like our number like three article of the year, or something, and that just makes me laugh. Just, just other than Gawker, is there anywhere you do think you can turn on the internet for laughs? Like my my personal uh, safe haven is Daily Mail. I feel like oh. those headlines are just. <laughs> oh my mess. god just like inject those slim pins into my veins <laughs> i love the oh of course the daily mail is amazing and i have to say my 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 favorite website on the internet like more than the one that i work at like just my absolute favorite is page six i love oh, page six uh-huh yeah i mean like if you talk to anyone who works at like any women's targeted publication any celeb targeted publication like any fucking publication your job is aggregating page <laughs> six like they're amazing that's very true <laughs> like, every morning i wake up i check page six like what's happening um and maybe that's you know fucked up of me and murdoch etc but uh they run a really good gossip blog and what has been like the most exciting thing about starting this new gawker or the most exciting like yeah the most exciting part of the experience um well i feel bad because you got me and i'm like the most boring person that works there but um yeah, shut up. <laughs> uh i mean having a job <laughs> i would say Huge. You were, were you at w before I was at so many places before who knows but having a job <laughs> is great and um the BDG health insurance is like very quality um good to know um yeah so I would say that was the most exciting part for me no but like I mean 
like on a broader level, I'm really happy that Gawker exists. I think it's a really fun and really smart place to go online where like you open the website and there it's like the dumbest Photoshop you've ever seen of like a tiny horse next to a large horse, which we did today. <laughs> Shout out to Jenny Zhang, who's a literal genius. And, um, and then you'll like open up like this, uh, some beautiful essay about like, you know, Joan Didion, Ross do that. Like, I'm just really am happy that that's out there for people. And I'm really happy. I'm mostly happy, like, cause I was a freelancer for a really long time. And so it makes me really proud to work at a website where like, freelancers are treated like gold they're paid well um they work with my co you know brandy george and leah who are all just like such brilliant editors such smart people who will help make your piece like the best it could be like i'm really proud that that's out there now for writers and um but then just like on a personal level like i don't know like it's just so fun to work at a place where like everyone makes me laugh every day. And I've worked at a lot of really, (laughs) I don't know. It's nice to work at a place where everyone's always talking about what they're reading. And like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's refreshing. It's very refreshing. So good to hear. I do just feel like so much of digital media is like absolutely humorless. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And look, like, obviously like I, you know, like I love, digital media, <laughs> which is such a sad thing to say, but I love digital media. There's so many great writers who are doing so many amazing things, but I feel like at most places, like a writer and an editor have to like sort of push around like what, you know, you have to get your metrics and you have to, I, I don't know. I'm going to talk myself into trouble, but it's just, it's just <laughs> nice. I'm just happy that like um, that there's a fun place to go online because I think it's I think it's really fun. I do, too. I'm yeah. honestly I am so happy that Gawker is back and that you're you're among the heads. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just I'm just the calendar person. <laughs> Still, that's, that's one of the heads. <laughs> Before we get into your obsession, I thought we could start with a little game called Obsession or Sickness. Oh my so, God, fine. <laughs> I'll give you a current cultural fixation and you can tell me whether you think it's a worthy obsession or if it's proof that we're all mentally ill and need to go to the hospital immediately. Oh man, Julia, what a fun <laughs> game. Yes, let's do it. Okay, all right. Number one, Wordle. Okay. Like all of my colleagues play Wordle and I am such a dumbass dude. I like <laughs> cannot figure out the Wordle. Like I don't understand what it is. Every morning everyone logs on and is like, look at my Wordle. And I'm like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck this is. Um, so I'm going to say that Wordle represents a sickness in me, which is that I'm an idiot and I cannot figure out what Wordle is. Okay. I do. Th- I think that's, that's a fair response. I think it is. I don't know. When I think about the things that I like to spend mindless time on, word games, I can I can get down with. No, and that's really cool and and fun and I'm just I'm very embarrassed about my my lack of wordle. No, I don't think you should be. And I, <laughs> I respect that. And I, I also don't um I, I one time shared my wordle score and I, I had to delete it because I got ratioed when my boyfriend responded great score and everyone liked that instead of my tweet <laughs> oh but you, what a <laughs> no 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 it was it was dripping in sarcasm oh oh man well julia's boyfriend if you're listening man you know 
some of us just struggle with Wordle. <laughs> Doesn't mean that we're lesser. Thank you. Thank you so much. He is listening and um, we'll definitely be having a talk after this episode. <laughs> okay. The, the next uh, obsession or illness, Kanye West and Julia Fox. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Okay, so I'm sorry. What's it called again? Sickness or symptom? What was the other one? That's good, but no. It's (laughs) obsession, like obsession worthy of our time, or is it a sickness? Okay, so I think that the two of them are an obsession and like what they did at interview, like all of it, like it's fucking ridiculous and it's extremely fun and it's extremely fun to watch. And um, like, I am very here for it. But I think what a sickness is, is how many really stupid articles have been forced to read about it. I think that like, I love it. I love what's happening. I, I think people are really overanalyzing it in a crazy way. What did you think of the interview piece that Julia wrote? Oh, my God, I was obsessed with it, which, first of all, like, you know, the way the sausage gets made is she called a junior editor at interview, said all that shit with a bunch of other stuff, probably. And they transcribed it. I know the person who did it. Really? Um, She's a wonderful writer named Taylor Scarabelli. Um, Like, Julia did not sit down and write. She nor just called her and Nor did she like tell Mel Ottenberg. Like Mel Ottenberg wasn't like he wasn't like sitting at his computer like type type typing while Julia. <laughs> of course uh, not. I know, but that's what he said. Hanging on every word. That's what he said in his Instagram caption, he was like, "She called me," but like that's not what happened. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. So I think I loved the interview thing. It was fucking ridiculous. It was, it was so, so funny. funny. I Julia Fox in a week went from posting on her Instagram story that her baby daddy was fucking his aunt. Oh my God. I forgot about yeah, that. That, that happened literally before. That was a week before their first date at, um, in Miami. So oh, what a, fucking, cool. what a legend she is. She's <laughs> living a charmed life. I mean, she's super not, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Julia is Fox, she not though? No, she is. I mean, Julia Fox is a legend, and it is so fun to see, like, this girl who, like, I remember, like, going to her art show where she, like, painted silk with her blood, and I remember, like, having to interview her when she just was, like, a downtown girl who, like, Mm -hmm. went and lived with her, like, like in a literal trap house in New Orleans for six months and, like, took pictures of it. (laughs) Like, she is worth everything she's getting. Wasn't that show like R.I.P. Julia Fox? Yes, R.I.P. Julia Fox at MX Gallery on Canal Street. What a what a time! <laughs> um, but I just remember like always seeing her at like clubs and stuff when I was like you know eighteen and nineteen and be like, oh my god, she's so beautiful. She's so psycho. She used to always come into like um, my friends used to work at this store for Richardson Magazine. And she was like oh best God. friends with Andrew Richardson. Of and he, he would take all these porny pictures of her and she would like come in and flip her hair. And I would be like, oh my God, it's Julia Fox. And now she's like famous. It's really cool. I love when a downtown girl gets gets famous. I, I hope the relationship progresses. I feel like it, I mean, she seems like a lovely girl and like someone you take home to mom. So I feel like. <laughs> Well, I hope Kanye like fucks his aunt or something, and then we get more crazy. 
wait, wait. So that she was addressing the rumors and saying it didn't happen. I don't really remember. I just remember the. No, yeah, she said it. I well, I mean, maybe later she went back and like addressed it. I don't know which. I don't. Maybe so uh, crazy. But that's, <laughs> well, <laughs> I. You know what? I, I really support her, and I'm glad she's on this journey. I'm glad she's on this journey too. And obviously, it's a fake relationship, and they have no chemistry whatsoever. But like, I'm here you don't for it. No, I don't think. Well, I, I don't. Maybe I just want to believe they do. I mean, maybe I don't know, but I don't really. I don't. I don't see it. Although my best Kanye gossip, should I share my? Am I being annoying? Am I a good? No. Okay. Please share your best Kanye gossip. Well, this is not my best Kanye gossip, but the best Kanye, the most recent Kanye gossip I know is this friend of a friend who's like a gallery girl in Berlin. He like asked her out on a date and they went for sushi. And then like two nights later, he texted her this video of him getting jerked off in the private um, VIP room of David Lynch's nightclub in Paris. Silencio. <laughs> oh my god, where is that video? I have seen it, but uh, you know, what's the angle? It's it's like kind of like dick from above, and then every so often you can sort of see like the bottom of his face. That's that's wild. I should know. <laughs> well, there are only ten people here, right? There are only ten people here. We will. I will be releasing it as a little like <laughs> Spotify episode, but I feel like that's not damning, you know. Whatever it happened, Good for, you know, Kanye is gonna do what Kanye is gonna do. Yeah, I, I I celebrate that. Um. Okay. The next. Uh sickness or worthy obsession is Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Um, I guess it's a sickness. I feel bad for Kim because people were so excited about it, but then, but then again, I don't know, like maybe this is just our demographic, right? Like I know so many people that are like, Kanye and Julia Fox because Julia Fox is like from New York and like, around and fashion and all that stuff um but i so i don't know how the general public is responding that sounded very obnoxious but you know what i mean yeah Uh, (laughs) um but kim you know i feel bad i feel like kim and pete seem so boring now um i was very excited about it when i first heard about it which was not Four hours after it happened, because my friend's brother's best friend is friends, or my friend's brother is best friends with Pete Davidson. Oh my God! Yeah, a Staten Island boy. Uh, no, he uh, directed a really bad movie that Pete was in. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, it's, I mean, good for them. I don't know. It seems very like manufactured, and it I don't really know. Does. It's it does not have the je ne sais quoi of <laughs> Julia Fox. No, I also Pete Davidson is is kind of he's a sickness to me. I think really, yeah. I I just think that he's not very funny, and I I don't know. I think we we need to turn turn our heads as a culture and and maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe something better will be on the other side. I mean, I support that, and I wish I felt more that way. I think B. Davidson is charming. Um, 
I don't hate Pete Davidson at all. And I love Kim Kardashian. Yes. I I, I feel like I, I like what they're doing. And I like that kind of, it feels similar to Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, but that's like kind of, well, you know, they just got engaged before we started. Oh, yeah. This no, I did see that. Which I'm already so bored of them. I'm um, so bored of them. I was bored of them when the, like, who did the, the did GQ do those? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my God. That was, that was like that hugely viral thing where it came out that oh. when he came, when he first met her, she was like, you smell like weed. And then he was like, I am weed. <laughs> Like, just come on. Yeah, I think, I think they, what, what they're missing is what Pete Davidson could bring. Do you know what I mean? There's no charisma there. And Pete Davidson, say what you will, I don't, I don't particularly like him, but he has, he and Kim could really um, be an exciting couple. But I think maybe they're just keeping it under wraps right now and like doing their own thing no they're trying really hard to get pressed like they just went you to think? the Bahamas. yeah they just went to the bahamas together for like one night she was like photographed outside his apartment in staten island recently like oh, this is so embarrassing but i really do have to I, <laughs> I read all these headlines all day for work um so i think she's trying i think she's <laughs> do you think the relationship was kind of organized after they saw that Courtney and Travis Barker were getting press? Um, yes and no. They actually, like, um, Kim and Pete would have known, they actually, like, have, like, a lot of um, mutual friends because Mm -hmm. Pete is best friends with Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, right, Um, yeah. Travis produced um, Machine Gun Kelly's album. Um, I don't know. I actually, like, I know that this is, like, like, look, she's dating him for very obvious reasons, which is that, like, he is young and, like, he's known for dating, like, mm-hmm. every young, hot woman. And she's just getting divorced and her brand is sex and she's, like, a 41-year-old mother of four. And this is, like, a reminder that she's, like, young and hot and fun. Right. Um, but I actually, well But I actually believe much more in their relationship than um, Julia Fox and Kanye. Like... Um, I genuinely believe the conspiracy that Kanye found out about Julia Fox because he was like Googling Pete Davidson and saw that photo shoot that they did together. That's <laughs> very, that's a very SEO savvy take. <laughs> no, like I, I really believe it. Um, but, uh, and like, I know people are probably like, oh, Kanye probably knows about her from like Uncut Gems and stuff, but like Kanye's favorite movies are Will Ferrell movies. Like, yeah, what, I, I don't think Kanye is watching like, uh, no, Kanye has like extremely highbrow taste in music and art and clothing <laughs> and like very frat boy taste in movies. So I don't know, but, um, I actually do believe in Kim and Pete's like, you know, like, do I think they're going to get married? No, but via some insider gossip i have i do actually <laughs> believe that they like like each other yeah you can kind of tell in the pictures too they look they look like they're having fun they look like they're having fun i i think it's cute i'm i'm rooting for them i honestly think that the reason that i am fatigued by them is because i'm fatigued by kanye and julia fox and it's all sort of together yeah it, it is all lumped in and it's i feel like if you work for a 
digital media organization, if you're not writing about it, you're losing money. Like that is such easy clickbait. It's such easy clickbait. And it's also, it's just like whenever they do anything that's like at night, I'm like, oh, fuck my life. Like now I have to think about this like at night. Absolutely. Okay. Before we get into your topic, the last sickness or worthy obsession, euphoria. Oh, sickness. I, I would agree. Say more. Oh, no, Julia, I have so many thoughts on euphoria. All of your listeners are going to leave. No, uh, no, I I need everyone. And I, I feel like we, I have a feeling we're on the same page. I think so as well. <laughs> Without uh, hearing a word, I have a feeling. Uh, okay, well, with euphoria, I mean, when it first came out, I, I mean, it's obviously like, like the the thing that makes me laugh about Euphoria is that people write about it and talk about it as if it's like some kind of quality product when mm-hmm. like it looks beautiful, it's fun, it's good like fashion and eye makeup inspiration oh <laughs> for te- for teenagers who like <laughs> it out don't know what Cafe Forgot is, you know. Uh-huh. But like um it's so poorly written and I think it's hilarious that people have pretended like it isn't. Um, it's so poorly written. The dialogue is so ridiculous. The plot lines are just, you know, so fucking beyond absurd. Sam Levinson is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, I was like, what is going on in this man's head? (laughs) No, he's fucking disgusting. Like, all he likes to do is, like, torch, watch teen actresses get tortured in, like, rapey sex scenes. And then, um, uh, you know... He can't make up his mind whether and somebody, this friend of mine, Daniel, like tweeted that um, in the morning, like Sam Levinson wakes up and is like, I'm Martin Scorsese. And in the afternoon, he's like, I'm Harmony Corinne. And that's how the show gets made. Um, A smart take. But he is really not (laughs) talented enough to be good at ripping off either of those two far superior talents. And just like the, the new episode, like I watched it and I was just in hysterics the entire time it's so fucking stupid it opens like the like there's a gangster grandma and you find like the backstory of the fact that there's a 12 year old drug dealer on this show whose name is ashtray like people don't make a big enough deal about ashtray like that is insane um uh yeah it's just uh it it oh I see it, a comment. It's worth it for the jokes, making fun of it. I completely agree. It's worth it for the jokes. I like watching like Hunter Schaefer do things. She's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is uh it is a huge sickness in our culture. That is a sick, dark, <laughs> awful creation. <laughs> yeah, I think sickness in the truest sense of the word. I think it just like first of all. Maybe fewer shows about like teenagers having sex, not to be a prude, but no, I, I just, <laughs> they're bad. They never I, like I, not I, since Skins has there been a show that like realistically like thing like sex education. I'm sorry if this offends, but that is the stupidest bullshit <laughs> ever, and it is not in any way what like actual teenagers are like, and all of these you know like well, I th- I think the main problem is that people who write for TV absolutely did not have sex in high school and thus have no idea what they're talking about. That's a good point. 
and are apparently deranged perverts. No, just kidding. (laughs) Well, I think Sam Levinson is a deranged pervert and like literally the worst nepotism kid in Hollywood. Also, I might hate Euphoria more because one time Hunter Schaefer walked in on me peeing and it was really embarrassing. (laughs) I mean, okay, here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. I think that Zendaya is like, of course we all know she's magnetic. She's really fun to watch. And that's it. I think it's the writing is atrocious, like you said. And I don't know. I I think that if you're making like a soapy teen sex show, make it for teens. You know, like Euphoria is like Gossip Girl. Sure. Uh, Degrassi. Yeah, exactly. You know, those are Degrassi is a lot allowed to talk about teen sex. Yes. I feel like a show like Euphoria, which is so like, I don't know. It, it, it feels like it's for an older audience, which just it's, I don't know. Or if you're going to do it, just make the writing better. Just make the writing better or make the writing just as bad as it is, but don't pretend like you're delivering us some kind of like Peabody award worthy material. Like, the new Gossip Girl writers, like, they know what they're doing. They, of course. They, they know what they're giving you. They have no pretensions about their work. But Sam Levinson, like, thinks he's an artist in this way that is just so off-putting. But the funniest thing that's ever happened to me with Euphoria is my best friend got married, and she walked down the aisle to that song that Zendaya sings in Euphoria when Rue has drug <laughs> over her dress. On purpose? Yes, that was her wedding. I was like, dude, are you sure? But, you know, she did it. Do you? Why do you think people like it so much? Like, why do you think it's such a, a prevalent sickness? Um, well, I think there are, I, I think it's easy to like. I mean, like, it, it's beautiful. I don't think, like, you can't, I don't think you can, even though, like, it's a little 2015 with all the bisexual lighting and whatever. Right. It, it's very pretty. And there's not a lot of pretty, you know, shows like that, especially targeted towards teenagers. Like, the filmmaking, I'm sure if you're 15, you look at that and you're like, this is very sophisticated. Like, I'm glad that that exists for teenagers and it's full of like, I mean, it was cast so smartly. It's like a mix of like teen heartthrobs with like internet famous people that, you know, teens feel connected to like, Mm -hmm. it was so smart in that regard. Yeah. And you know, it's very inclusive. Like, I mean, they torture all the marginalized (laughs) characters, but like, um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to like, and it's also like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's beautiful people like taking their clothes off and like doing really weird sex things in mm-hmm. like, you know, pink strip club lighting. Yeah. Um, of course, that's going to uh, get a big budget and do numbers. Yes, absolutely. Also, I don't know what, what I'll say about it is it's like, at least it's giving us something, you know, yes. it's going for it. You know, in a way that so few things are. That's very true. At the end of the day, I'm glad that Euphoria exists, but I do think, you know, it's disgusting and it's only worth it for the jokes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now we we must get into your obsession. Yeah, sorry, am I talking too much? No, no, no. It's a long time. I don't know if I'm good at it. No, this has been absolute 
absolutely delightful. But <laughs> I'm so excited to hear your opinions on and just like that. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. I- what? Like, okay, first of all, what general thoughts on the show? Um, where I mean, look, the show's a piece of shit. <laughs> I love it more than anything that has happened. It is 45 minutes each week of just pure unadulterated pleasure. And <laughs> when I and I just feel like like I love AGLJLT Hive on Twitter. It's such a <laughs> wonderful community. Oh my god, I just lost a listener with my passion for and just like that. Screw uh, them. I don't I don't know who it was, but we don't need them. Um it's <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not giving you a great take. Other no, than that, I, I fucking love it. Awesome. Like, hey, hey, it's Che Diaz. <laughs> I just, it's so fucking stupid and funny. And um, my friend Kat texted me, like, I just love to wake up every Thursday morning and learn, like, what new lessons SJP has learned about trans people. <laughs> like, I can't fucking wait. It's I- I completely am with you. I think it is it is just pure fun, and I I do watch it in the morning. I can't even wait until after work. I just it's no, I can't wait. I wake up early and watch it. It's pure joy. I feel like all the backlash that it's gotten is just like you have to take it for what it is, and what it is is stupid. <laughs> and you know, honestly, like it has gotten so much backlash. And look, I get it. Like it's. It is bad. It's painful. <laughs> like the way that the main characters are now like running around collecting women of color, like Pokemon mm-hmm. and like the incredibly ridiculous, like so t- 2016 era, like woke moment thing. Like it's absurd. But <laughs> I, ge- I genuinely believe that like uh, the writing is like in some instances, like pretty sharp. And it feels a lot like the first series in a way that the movies never did. I feel like the movies are just, like, from a complete, like, other, like, aliens watched Sex and City and made a movie about it, you know? Like, I feel like the show has much more of the original series tone. Um, And I also think that, like, um, I think that if the show had come out in, like, 2017... I think people would be saying that it was, like, good and, like, brave and political, you know? That's an interesting point. Like, when people were more, uh, like, trigger happy with yeah. the, the, the F word feminism. Absolutely. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I think that any any given episode of Parks and Recreation is just as embarrassing as an episode of In Just Like That. I just think that the culture has shifted. Yeah. Um, for the better, but like, um, <laughs> but I think that I don't know. It's so fucking funny, man. And like, there was, um, there was, I think it was like Macy Rodman tweeted that, like, um, you know, the episode where it was, you know, Carrie pees herself in bed while like Miranda gets fingered by a non binary podcast host <laughs> <laughs> and Charlotte's child comes out via TikTok. Like, it's like, it's, it's a Mad Lib. It's a Mad Lib, but it's also like fan fiction that I think a lot of us would have written, and I'm happy that it exists. I mean, it, it has a sense of humor about it, which I appreciate. 
It does. And I, you know, I'm excited for Miranda to go on her queer journey. It, it needed to happen. Although I just really hope that they do Steve the decency of giving him a girlfriend I when know. Miranda leaves him. Like Steve did nothing wrong. Steve and is a wonderful guy. He is. I, you know what? I don't think they're going to give any of the male characters the time of the, the time of day. But it's so annoying because Steve, like we love Steve and Steve is interesting. I would love to know what's going on in Steve's head. And, you know, I'm sure David Eigenberg can use the paycheck more than the three main well, ladies. Like, absolutely. Give him some lines. And, you know, Harry Goldenblatt, like he is the best, you know, he came off the best. He can, yes. He's he's definitely my favorite of the husbands. Oh, 100 The male counterparts. He was always a mensch, and he looks great in his um, older age. I think he looks very sexy, and he is a supportive father to Lily and Rock. Rock, of course. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, Rose, Rose to Rock. It's, it's it makes a lot of sense. I like it. You know? Whose is your favorite uh, journey or storyline? Hmm. Um. Oh, that's a tough one. It is tough. I mean, I guess I would have to say Miranda because, hey, it's Shay Diaz, you know. Okay. <laughs> Shay Diaz. <laughs> I just cannot wait for Miranda to like text Shay Diaz like fifty times, and then Shay Diaz will be like, "Hey, man, chill." Yeah, like, it's cool. We just hooked up. Relax. And then Miranda's going to like lose her fucking shit. I can't wait. Oh, that I mean, great, great uh, prediction. That is definitely <laughs> what Che Diaz is ghosting and Miranda's going to be like ghosting. What does that even mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but what is the deal with Brady having sex like all the oh, time? I, that I is think- a weird plot development. He could have just moved out. We really don't need to have that. <laughs> no, and like, but, but, okay, again, like a lot of, I remember reading reviews that were like, this is ridiculous. I, it makes perfect sense. Miranda moved to Brooklyn in like mm-hmm. 2004. She is a lawyer who became radicalized by reading like fucking Robin D'Angelo. <laughs> and she's like a Park Slope mom. Like she's a rich Park Slope lib mom. Like, of course she lets her son like have sex in the house because it's like politically correct. According yeah. to Yeah. And at that point, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not questioning that. I just feel like I, 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 it's, I don't need it. No, I, I, don't, I don't need it either. Oh God. But I, I do think Miranda is like maybe the most interesting and kind of uh, layered character right now. Oh, absolutely. And I also think it is very important to note that Cynthia Nixon directed the last episode. And while she directed it, I would urge all of the listeners to Google Cynthia Nixon Rosa Parks t-shirt because uh, it's quite a a treat. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to do that right now. Um, But how do you think, like, how do you feel about how the show has kind of handled, um, I I hate to say, like, woke issues, but, like, I don't know, the the awokening of culture? Oh, my God. I mean, terribly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's so stupid. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I mean, I do think it's funny, like how out of touch the show seems to be. Um, and it's really funny to like listen to Miranda like come to her like 
PC realizations. It's really, really funny to hear them make the women make comments to each other about like RGB and stuff, because like as dedicated fans of the original series will know, like they were never into politics. Like there's a whole episode about how like, none of them vote and like Samantha only votes for the hottest candidate and uh-huh. Nixon wasn't getting laid. So he screwed everyone, you know, <laughs> like it's really, really, really funny to hear these like lines that are so not them come out of their mouths. But um, I feel like that's really what we could have used is like an apolitical <laughs> sex in the city. Yeah. And I think that's what people want, but I also think that that they probably thought that they would get exposed coriated for that and you know what they probably would have they probably would have but i do i do think it's really funny that like in making all these attempts to be sensitive the show itself is often like extremely insensitive like like how the last episode was so much about plastic surgery and like all of them have obvious work except for cynthia nixon Uh and it was just i mean sjp looks fucking amazing but he really does (laughs) um but it just seemed very cruel to like put Mario Cantone in front of like a Jonathan Groff plastic surgeon and be like, Oh, I've never touched my face when he looks like he belongs at like Madame Tussauds. Like, actually, um, yes, I, I found that disturbing. Also deeply disturbing, deeply disturbing. I don't know. I feel like the, um, Oh, I lost my train of thought, but I, I do think that, there are some instances in which I'm like, okay, I understand why they're kind of going the, like the queer eye route, you know, like trying to, you know, court their liberal audience and say, look, like we get it. Times have changed, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) I really think that they had to. And, um, uh, oh no, now I lost. No, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. I had an observation that I was like excited to share. It's a, woke we're talking about <laughs> plastic surgery it's a, coming back. in the words of che diaz it's a woke moment oh <laughs> crazy it's so crazy oh well i mean and also the way they're handling samantha is just really not working for me not like, working for me either they needed to kill her off if she wasn't going to be in the show like that woman was so dedicated to her friendships. She was even nice to Charlotte after all of those times that Charlotte was like, you whore, you fucked my brother. Like mm-hmm. she would not abandon them in this way. And it just makes no sense. And the, oh, this was what I was going to say. The send off for Stanford was uh, horrific. Tasteless. Okay, what the? F- I'm just very confused because didn't they shoot most of the show before Willie Garson died? R.I.P. Love you forever. I I have a feeling that they maybe he played too integral a role, and so they uh, had to nip it in the bud. Oh, that makes sense. And I I have also heard that SJP's shooting schedule was really messed up because um of the Hocus Pocus reboot. Oh my god, (laughs) not worth it. And since most of his scenes are with her, like maybe they hadn't shot them yet. I don't know. Oh wow. Um, But that was oh my god. The night that I learned that Willie Garson died, I lost. Oh my god, what a wonderful character and person. And I will never forgive my Michael Patrick King for making Anthony and Stanford, who canonically hated each other, 
get married just because they were the two gay guys. Is Seriously. It's just infuriating. Yeah. Like what a, what an easy weak choice. We didn't even make any sense. They hated yeah. each other. They hated each other. And I, I do, I don't know. I, it's, it is sad because I really liked the, uh, the conflict that was starting between Stanford and Charlotte. Yeah. About like, you don't like that I'm integral to the circle. Yes, I liked that too. That was very intriguing. Charlotte uh, is annoying me this season. And also she has the most work done out of all of them and looks like a cat. I can't. No, it's really sad. Like looking at her face makes me really, really sad. And I also keep thinking about like, I don't know if you had this experience, but like I started watching Sex and the City very young when I was like 12 because my parents were really into it. Me too, yeah. And I just, like, did your dad say this? My dad would always be like, Kristen Davis is the only pretty one. <laughs> no, I mean, I, he probably uh, did, and I don't remember it. That sounds very much like what he would say. Apparently, it was really like a straight man of the early 2000s. They'd all be like, ah, the other ones are whores. Kristen Davis is the only pretty one. That's so okay. funny. Oh, my gosh. I... I I, I was watching the um and just like that with my dad recently. He's like, she looks she looks the best out of all of them. And I was like, really? Like, no, she doesn't. I yeah, I, I think her plastic surgery is just a, a touch too much. Uh, more than a touch. And <laughs> I think that SJP and Cynthia Nixon both look incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. Do you think you're a Miranda, Carrie, a Charlotte, or a Samantha? I'm a Stanford. <laughs> Wow, that was so quick. Oh, I've spent so much time thinking about this. I'm like a Stanford, Sun, Samantha Rising, Margaret Cho's fashion show producer moon. That's beautiful. Oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. I am a Stanford, Sun, uh, Samantha Rising, um, the episode where Justin Thoreau keeps prematurely ejaculating his mom. Uh, that's my that's my move (laughs) oh that's amazing i that's really good what do i I feel like i what am i i i think um as much as everyone hates to hear hates to say i think i'm a carrie you know look at the end of the day i am a writer with curly hair and until (laughs) six months ago i lived in manhattan for decades so i you know I also connect with Miss Bradshaw, obviously, and I like to eat oranges in bed. Of course. Um, if oh, I'm getting a request to speak from one Gabe Silverman. Hi, Gabe. Gabe, hey. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Tell tell us your and just like that take. My my and just like take my and just like that take. I've only seen like probably about like most of a season's worth of the original show. And then I think almost, if not all of the new episodes, I was going to say, I feel like the show exists in a way that almost succession does where it succeeds because initially you're supposed to believe that they exist way outside of the realm of like most of their viewership. Like, especially in the early seasons, I guess my take was like, okay, yeah, you're, you're watching this. You don't live like these people do. And that's kind of why it's a great show. And once you're watching the new season, it's like, yeah, they still live way more lavishly. They live in like beautiful, huge one bedroom apartments and them all becoming woke 
it sort of like ruins the sort of essence of the show in some way where it's like they don't have to do this but you see why like you see why they have to i guess because of the time it's coming out in but they really don't like it just it makes it feel like much more out of touch because of like how they live and what they do if that makes sense i, I do think it's really entertaining though that's i i that's an interesting take i was saying like Okay, they've they've tackled race, they've tackled age. Like, are they gonna do class next? And the answer is absolutely not. No, never. <laughs> like, <laughs> how are we gonna talk about the? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just that that's an interesting take. It Let's it see. is an interesting take, and it's also interesting because like, if you haven't seen the original series, like. The show did actually used to tackle class in some ways. Like when mm-hmm. Candace Bushnell was writing the book, which if anyone hasn't read Sex and the City, the book, do it. It's so much like meaner and darker and sexier. And like, there's so much cocaine in it. Like, it's really good. Um, but like on the show, like Carrie is broke. Carrie buys these really expensive shoes, but she also mm-hmm. like can't pay her bills. And in like the early seasons, like, you see her credit cards getting ripped up and like, um, you know, her original apartment in the first three episodes is like way shittier than the apartment she lives in. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting what they do with money. And also I, I should, I have spent so much of my life watching Sex and the City. Honestly, same. And I feel like I, it did, it didn't really occur to me like the, um, she, she was like a scrappy gal and, I mean, scrappy, not scrappy, but, you know, figuring it out. And at this point, it's like money is not an object to any of these characters. No, and it doesn't really make sense um, the way, like, I get Charlotte being super rich and not thinking twice about it, but I don't think it makes a And Miranda, you know, like, obviously she worked her way up the corporate ladder, but, like, with Carrie just having this, like, windfall of, like, millions of dollars, like, in the way she's handling it, like, it doesn't make sense for her or who you she is. You don't think, like, having Biggs money? No, I think she probably, like, the actual, like, Carrie of the original show would have had a lot of, like, weird anxiety about it and not known what to do with it. Like, this woman who makes salmon and buys modern apartments, like, this is not... I suppose we grow and change, but <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you for your take. I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> oh my God. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I can't really speak fully on, I mean, obviously like I've seen probably five or 10% of the original series. And like, I, I love to hear that it's like, it does touch on their money because I think it's really just at the end of the day, just an interesting plot point compared to, I guess what you're seeing now. Um, and I guess just based on like what I've seen of the original show, you know, it's like the question that I always ask, I guess, is like when I watch it is like, well, how do they end up this way? Like, how does, how does Carrie live in this apartment? And especially now it's like, how is Carrie living in these apartments? You know, well, her, her rapist husband bought it for her. Oh my God. Fucking crazy. I, <laughs> I, I, you, I, the, the, the way that news I through me like I mean we all should have known obviously but I feel like it odd odd that it came out like after Big was killed off you know like the timing of that dude I mean not to make that like you know this man raped 
women and it's all about me. But like (laughs) the way I was fucking devastated, like Kristoff, he's just been my crush since I was like 11 years old. I went to NYU and he was always like, I used to see him at like Dwayne Reed and stuff and like lose my (laughs) fucking mind. I've seen him give money to homeless people a bunch of times. And um, again, not to make his raping all about me, but <laughs> I'm so sorry to the listeners of the podcast, but a year ago, I heard like a year and a half ago, I was like, it was pandemic. I was unemployed. I wrote this essay about him and nobody read it. it oh was, my like, God. Or in style, like whatever. But, um, uh, if my in style editor is listening to this, I love you. You're I- great. I I feel like I remember this. But it was a really good fucking essay. I wrote this really good essay about, and I, oh my God, this is embarrassing. I never say, I, you guys don't know me. You don't know what I'm like. I never say my work is good. I, who cares about my work? I'm an idiot. But like, I was really proud of this essay and it was about how he did drag in his first ever movie or like, I guess it's not technically drag, but he played like a, a uh, female presenting prostitute in like, yeah. this great punk movie by Susan Seidelman called um, Smithereens. And um, I wrote this whole essay about it and I was so proud of it. And he loved it. And he sent oh me all God. these complimentary emails and it was the best thing that has ever happened to me in my life. And like, I literally, like, <laughs> used that to have is one of those, my phone background, like it was so huge. And then it turns out that he was a rapist and it just, it broke my heart. And now I can't ever use that essay as a clip for anything. Uh, that is actually a good point. I don't think you can use it. <laughs> no, I can't. Half of it is about, like, how much I wanted to, like, have sex with Mr. Big. Oh, I loved, I, I think he was, I mean, honestly, fuck Aiden, fuck. Fuck Aiden. In the words of Samantha Jones, two granola for you. Yeah, I fully agree. I'm so team Big, Um, the character Big, not the actor who uh committed crimes. Yes. You guys see the bizarre Peloton ad that came out like okay. right, probably like two days before that news broke. I hated that. Oh, did I see that Peloton ad? You know who? You know who made that Peloton ad? Ryan Reynolds. No way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there a voice in it? Yeah, and it was like he his he has like some agency that produced it. He, I hate that Ryan Reynolds is so successful in so many ways. I yeah, he really rubs me the wrong way. The worst. Should we? Okay, we have we have a few choices with with our remaining time. Should we talk about Yellow Jackets or should we do Pop Culture Shark Tank or a little of both? Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, you 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 can pick or the the listeners they, they, sh- they <laughs> listeners should <pick>. at home. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have any spicy Yellow Jackets takes? Um. I mean, I guess not really, other than that, I think it's going to start getting bad soon and that it should have been a limited series. Um, yeah, I, I really, it should have been because we're going to finish off the season and not know anything. <laughs> no, like we don't know anything. And it's just like, when are they going to fucking eat each other? You know, like they're taking so long to eat each other. Uh, I mean, I love Yellow Jackets. It's amazing. Um, but I really am ready for them to start eating each other. And um, I guess I'm ready to meet Jackie. I feel like she has to be alive and, like, institutionalized somewhere. Yeah, I fully agree. And I feel like, oh, God, Jackie is the, the most irritating character. Oh, she's the worst. I wish they ate her. 
Um, I will say. <laughs> I think they might. I do think they might. I think I, that it could be in store. I hope they do. But um, I will say that I tweeted about Yellow Jackets with like my fan theories and then deleted it because I was like embarrassed to be tweeting fan theories of television at <laughs> 3 p.m. And I had tweeted that I thought that um, they'd bring in like Mina Suvari, you know, like a legendary 90s blonde. Yes to play um, Jackie and not five minutes later, a writer with several hundred thousand Twitter followers tweeted who follows me tweeted that she thought Mina Savari was going to play Jackie. Independent invention or was my (laughs) brilliant brain. I do think that's very possible. I saw, yeah, no, I saw a tweet about, um, some iconic 90s actress like oh that's probably what'll happen is someone's still alive and I didn't see the that exact actress name but that would make a lot of sense well oh my god I've really gassed myself up in a really unnecessary way on this podcast I promise all the seven listeners I have really low self-esteem no (laughs) you're you've gassed the appropriate amount but um uh yeah I don't know what do you what do you think about yellow jacket I I truly love it. I think it already is bad, but in a perfect way. Oh, that was a great take. You wow. know, it's, it is, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's that's so much fun. That is a really good take. No, it's not good, but it's so much yeah. fun. That I is- think it's just such a joy to watch. It's moving so unbearably slow, you know. So slowly. I'm like ready for Thais's son to start eating people. Like, isn't that what he's gonna do? He seems like a real people eater. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I feel like they're they're opening too many doors and like not getting to all of them, you know, like they're yeah. they're starting too many issues and by the time they get to the issue, it's like I don't care about this anymore. Totally, totally. That is, wow, that is some trenchant television criticism. That is very real. Before we go, though, I want to do Pop Culture Shark Tank, which is a pop culture Shark Tank pitch, a news item, a new relationship, celebrity endorsement, or really whatever you wish existed in pop culture right now. Um, Something that I wish existed in pop culture that as of yet does not exist. Yes. Um, so I thought long and hard about it, this, and my answer is a reality show that is solely focused on Salma Hayek and her pet owl. Oh my God. That is HBO Max is going to be knocking on your door. That seems like something they would do. <laughs> um, I don't know if the listeners are familiar with um, Salma and her pet owl, but um, if you're not, I really, really recommend um, doing a little Google, um, Salma Hayek has this, um, very cute little owl, um, that she's obsessed with. She, she named the owl Caring, which, um. Wait, Caring? Yes. For those who don't know, Salma Hayek is married to the head of the second largest luxury conglomerate in the world, Caring, which owns companies like Gucci, hence the hilarity of her being in House of Gucci. Um, she always wears Gucci. Anyway, so her husband is Francois-Henri Pinot, who is one of the richest men in the world. And um, so Salma has become the ultimate eccentric, super rich woman. And um, 
She is obsessed with her owl named Caring. Um, she gave it to her husband as a Valentine's Day <laughs> present um, because the the symbol of his company is an owl, like that's on their logo. Um, but he was like, "No, that's uh, that's present for you. And, <laughs> I'm not taking care of an, a full owl." But she's obsessed with this fucking owl, and. <laughs> She sleeps in the bed with her owl and like she watches TV and the owl like stands on the TV and keeps her company. Um, she says she has a good taste. She has good taste in wine. Oh like God. Salma, oh according to this article, from people I just pulled up. Salma says, even though owls don't drink liquids because they take everything from their prey. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> Herring likes good wine. This one. <laughs> Um, Salma says, um, caring can often be found on her, my head or my shoulder or my arms. Sometimes when she is really close to me, I can feel her rubbing against me, which is really nice. And I feel so blessed. And Salma's whole Instagram is just like a shrine to this owl. (laughs) I'm following right now. Anyway, I just really, really love, um, Salma Hayek and her owl. So that would be my, um, my pop culture shark tank. I think that is so adorable of her. <laughs> it's so cute. And I just, you know, like nothing makes me happier than when like a very, I don't know. Like, I just feel like Salma Hayek has the life she deserves. You know, she's so beautiful. She's so talented. She's so fucking fabulous. Of course she was going to end up married to like one of the richest men in the world and become like this owl freak. Like <laughs> yeah, a, a very rich woman in her own right. They, I, I, I support that. I wonder what her um, personal life is like. Oh, I think it's very That's interesting. Um, Francois Henri had a baby with Linda Evangelista oh. um, while he was engaged to Salma. And there was this whole paternity suit. It's fascinating. Honestly, there are no, in my opinion, like, I just wish all news was about, like, French luxury conglomerate magnates and their many affairs. I would be so happy. We should start um, a Gawker subsidiary. <laughs> you know, I don't think they would let me do it, but um, I would love us to do more reporting in that area. I love it. Jocelyn, thank you so much. This has been such a blast. I hope you'll come on again. Oh, my God. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. And um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to me, you know, blather on. You all seem very nice. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Jocelyn. All right. I'll talk to you later. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye, guys.